Hey guys, this is Mike and Paige. We are college sweethearts living just outside Nashville. We have four incredibly awesome, jovial children <laughs> who we love. And Paige I and I like to see what she's saying. <laughs> Paige and I love a good podcast, and we also uh, love good stories. So we thought, why not just put those two things together and tell our own story in a podcast? So thanks for joining us. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. So, guys, uh, for the intro story this week, um, Paige last minute got invited to be a youth leader at, for our church, for the youth group, uh, at camp, um, which is so funny because they're like, it's summer camp, but like, summer camp is like weeks and weeks and weeks. This was for five days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was last minute, you know, so um, the conversation kind of went like, hey, I'm going to camp by. And it was like, who's, I who said found that? out with two days notice. Who said that? <laughs> uh, and last thing I know, I'm... I'm stuck here with my kids and my sister-in-law watching my kids while I work. and I'm, I think she did more watching than you. I, oh, she most certainly did. <laughs> um, I, listen, I got lots of places to be and people to be with. Um, anyway, so she comes back from this trip. Mind you, not tired at all. You think she just rested Guys, for five days Guys, camp straight. is so much better when you have little kids because I slept more at camp than I for sure ever sleep at home. It was so delightful. And no one's following me around going, mom, 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 mom. At camp, they can walk. They can feed them on their own selves. They can, like, figure out things. I was just there to have a good time. <laughs> and she did. So she comes home and she tells me this story. And, I mean, literally, like... She, so she, she played a practical joke on somebody, and it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, this is what happened. Um, I love a good prank. I love uh, anything that is messing with people. My love language, for sure, is messing with people. Dude, 20 bucks is like on our 30th year anniversary. You'd be like, I didn't love you this whole time. Prank! <laughs> and you'd be like, <laughs> That would be the meanest. It no. Be, but you'd be like, that was the best joke of all the time. Long time. History. <laughs> Get his no. book a world record. So there's this family that goes to our church, and they are the they're greatest. Lo- they're just such loving people. They're the best. Um, and we have a, a special spot in our heart for them because they have redheads not, like we do. Not all of them. Yes, all of them. They have redheads like we do. They have three girls and one boy like we do. But their kids are older. They're teenagers. The dad is really handsome like I am. I mean, it's just all the these things. The mom's really spunky like me. All these things just fall in a line, guys. Okay. <laughs> they also listen to the podcast. So, hey, guys. So, <laughs> so the other day, uh, we're at camp, and I had already messed with the teenage daughter. That's probably another opener for another day. And uh, one I of the- with, she made her cry. By accident. It was another prank. Uh, so <laughs> this is so great. So- um, we're at camp, and the oldest teenage daughter wanted to call one of the youngest teenage daughters. She couldn't come because she hurt her ankle, so or hurt her leg. It's in a cast. So it's it's not in a cast. Like- she can't come. She can't come to camp. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh yeah." So um, they don't have phones at camp. So I have my own phone. I was like, "Yeah, let me Facetime your mom real quick." And I went to like unlock my phone and then Facetime, and then I was like, "Hold on, let me prank your mom real quick," and like super on the fly. So <laughs> so. Her mom pops up, and I'm like, hey, 
Um, we've had a little problem with Ava and she's hurt and we need to go to the hospital. She fell off the zip line and I just need to know which hospital is like a network for us to go to and (laughs) what insurance you have and who do you prefer us to go to. Guys, at that moment, camp internet went out. (laughs) Guys, the entire time. It's so bad. So bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. She said no service. I had no service, but I could like sometimes connect to internet, sometimes not. Mike and I were like messaging through Facebook Messenger because my phone wasn't talking to his phone. So somehow I got FaceTime to work. Somehow we're in the bunks. Like I I didn't think this through, obviously. This is like throwing a bowling ball at somebody with no arms. Because like (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so (laughs) like that graphic. Well, like your your internet doesn't work. And you're FaceTiming somebody to prank them that their child I know this injured. mom very well. <laughs> We've been going to church with them for like a year and a half. Anyways, so my phone would not connect back to internet. Like I'm sitting there on my phone like, <laughs> as a mother, I'm freaking out. Like all of me is like physically sweating all over. My body temperature just keeps rising. And I'm like, got to get back. Got to get mom. Got to get mom. And like the other leader, I'm like, does your phone work? Do you have internet? And her phone didn't work, didn't have internet. So finally, I get my phone to finally connect through. And at this point, the screen opens up through FaceTime. And you know, it's like, and it opens up and I see the mom. And then right behind her, I see the dad. And I'm like, a wretched sinner is me. (laughs) I feel it in my body. And I go, and she's like, hey, how's it going? Is everything okay? And I was like, ah, just kidding. Prank. (laughs) Ah, And she like laughs. And she's like, oh my gosh, Paige. She was like, I already called my husband over. We were like getting in the car. Get ready. We go. (laughs) Mind you, at this time, they're out um, canvassing a neighborhood for for VBS. VBS. Because they're saints. So they're saints. Paige is a monster. I am a monster. I came home and I told Mike this story and he was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, that's literally the worst thing you could possibly Okay, get. but like, here's the thing. Joke. The exact moment I was going to say, just kidding, the phone dropped the, co- the call. You're right. So like. And then you could, and then I, your phone couldn't reconnect. They get in the car, they drive, they get into an accident on the way there. Now they have no parents. That's why. <laughs> Because that's Mike the kind thinks, of crap that happens. Mike thinks five years down the line. I think five seconds if we're lucky down the line. <laughs> I'm just like, let's go. Mm-hmm. So there's the story of smarter ministry choices I've made. <laughs> I want you guys to hear that, like the moral of that, or kind of like just the encompassing aspect of Paige just thinks five seconds down the line and let's go. <laughs> guys, that's my life. Mm-hmm. It makes, it makes for a really good, entertaining time. Something really not great happened in my life to, uh, this week, and Mike was at work. Mike had already gone to sleep when it happened. Mike woke up, went to work, so we didn't see each other. And so he came home from work, and he was like, so are we going to Wilderness at the Smokies tomorrow? <laughs> so are the bags already packed to go somewhere random? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm working really hard to feel my feelings. And I was like, but I do think I'm going to get a spray tan. And he was like, seems reasonable. Like, <laughs> I did get this lower back tattoo. <laughs> it <doesn't>, what? <laughs> Thank you.
So guys, uh, I want to say thanks. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've done an episode. It's been crazy busy. We've been traveling a lot. We've been we doing also a lot of stuff. released a two-hour episode. Yeah. So I feel like y'all could take a week. We could take a bounce. <laughs> y'all, yeah. Um, so we've 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 covered some pretty hard topics, um, and we're just might as well just keep you know keep on theme here. Keep on trudging the Guzman way. Um, hard, 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 hard. As you know, you know we have four incredible kids. And, but we've also experienced, um, the heartache of miscarriages. And so that's what we decided to talk about today because it has played a large impact on our life and in our marriages, marriage. Um, yeah, yeah. there's only one marriage here. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a heavy page sided, uh, podcast because, you know, it happened to her, uh, right. you know, it happened to both of us, but I'm in the body that it happens it to. Did. Um, but don't worry, I, I get my two cents in as well. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. So we have, like y'all know, four kids. And the record goes like this. Pregnant with Zayo, then we miscarried. Pregnant with Memphis, then we miscarried. Then we had a, a miscarriage scare. Mm-hmm. And we had mm-hmm. Zola. And then Wonder. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking of the timeline of this, that's where we're going. Uh, first pregnancy was Zayo. Um, carried her to term, had her, no big deal. I nannied for a family that they she had had several miscarriages in between each of her kids. So she had asked me at one point, like, hey, is this your first pregnancy? And I didn't understand. I understood what she was meaning about miscarriage. I had heard about miscarriages, but I didn't really, like, I didn't have any like anything to kind of stick that to. And I was like, yeah, my first pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. Um, my sister-in-law and I were trying to get pregnant at the same time and she miscarried the month we got pregnant with Zayo, but I didn't know that I was pregnant. And I think, yeah. So that time I remember sobbing because I wanted to be pregnant. Um, but I had never been pregnant, but she had gotten pregnant and she had miscarried and just feeling the weight of just utter sadness of that. Um, but that was kind of contextually all I had for miscarriages. I didn't really know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So we had Zayo. Um, Zayo was like the stereotypical perfect first child. Mm -hmm. Those first children, they get (laughs) you. Um, and we decided that we wanted to have another kid. So we started, um, trying and mind you, my parents taught me that we were, that I was very fertile that our family is very fertile. My brother had a teenage pregnancy. Um, he was a dad at a teenager is what I'm trying to say. Um, he, <laughs> so both are true, yes. Yeah. So my mom, like, they got pregnant super quick, super easy. So I, all I knew is that we got, that my family got pregnant quick. Well, that's not Mike and I's story. Um, we and, may my, have, and my story is like, my, like my dad was sterile. Supposedly, Supposedly sterile, yeah. And my mom had too many health problems. My gosh, so. I'm so glad your dad wasn't sterile. I'm glad that we have you. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty glad too. So. <laughs> You're pretty glad to be but, sitting but, in this so, room. But besides that, I didn't really know. Like there was no, there's never a conversation. Like that conversation, like what Paige knew is stuff that I never knew. Like, right. I, I mean, I knew that, but it was never like a thought to me. Like I got good seed. Like it was never a thought of that. It was just. So when we were trying to get pregnant and it took us several months to get pregnant, I was shocked. I was like, 
I, I don't understand not being able, like, I, I, I didn't have any, um, any context to put it in because my whole life I was told that the moment I had sex, I would be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks, church. <laughs> the, no, it wasn't the church. It oh, was really? my mom. It was, it was my mom. Uh, hey, hey, she listen. was like, we're fertile myrtles over here. No, we ain't. I'm not. Anyways, so we get pregnant after Zayo, and I just thought we were pregnant. She was eight months old. Um, I Then I started bleeding, and I freaked out because all I knew about miscarriages was that you bled. Hmm. So we went to the ER. We were moving that weekend um, to a different apartment. So we were moving. I started bleeding. I was feeling kind of gross, but I was like, beginning of pregnancy, so that's normal. Um, went to the ER. Uh, they did a scan. She was fine. She mm. was there. Um, or, she, you know, the baby was there. Um, anyway, I was about six weeks along. Well, then we tell all of Facebook, which I don't regret ever doing because we celebrated that life while it was there. Mm. Um, and... A couple of days later, I still was bleeding, and it never stopped. And we went to another ultrasound, which confirmed that my body had passed the baby. Mm. Um, and it was the deepest sadness I've ever known. Like, just, there's something about losing a baby. It's an eternal loss. It's a life that was supposed to sit at our dinner table. That's not there. It's the pain of not being at a wedding, the pain of not seeing our baby grow up. For me, I love getting to know my children. So it's a whole human, a whole personality, a whole life that I'll never know this side of heaven. There's also like a... There's a halting of of emotions because mm. oh yeah because you're like super excited super amped. There's a for me like there was a sense of pride. Mm. There was a sense of excitement. There was a sense. There was like a sense of fear. Like pride is it like, like yay I'm, we're having a baby yeah, yeah, yeah like, like I'm so um, proud to be dad of yeah, two yeah uh, you know like um there was a an emotion of like success. You know, like happiness and like, hey, our our efforts are paying off. Yeah, because Michael, because his dad was supposed to be sterile, he was really concerned at some point of whether or not he could have kids. Yeah, and then and also like at that moment in our life, like I was working in downtown Nashville. Yeah, it took him two hours to get to work and and, and home. And, yeah, it uh, was rough. And. So there's a halting of those emotions, you know, like right, all those and that's like kind of whiplashing because yeah, like, you're like. You're you're very very happy, and then within a minute you're mm. now. It's like going on a roller coaster, go rapidly up, 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 sad, up, and like you're like here mm. comes that release of going down. You're like whoa, and that's then a good like, description. You stop like instantly. Oh and it's yeah, like a jerking, and it, it's <gasps> or like when you have to slam on the brakes in the interstate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so yeah, we miscarried, and I didn't really have any context to put that in. Mm. No one ever talked about miscarrying. I think in the past couple of years, it has become more talked about. But this is six years ago, and no one really talked about it. 
There's no like blog post that I could read. I mean, it was just like, it was very foreign. And I remember posting that we miscarried and all these people private messaged me. Mm. So many people privately messaged me. It was like, hey, I miscarried. Hey, I miscarried. Hey, I miscarried. And like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry. Like, this is what helped me during this time. I would love to be there for you. Um, a lot of people brought us meals and loved on us in that way. Um, I really, one of the things that I did was I questioned whether or not that baby was in heaven. Like, was that a life that God had in heaven? Mm-hmm. And I wrestled with that a lot. And I, I, we hadn't been to counseling yet. And so I, I recognize that now is me trying to rush through the issue to like, is this okay on the other side? Yeah. Not allowing myself to really mourn or process what I was feeling, but like, okay, do I theologically believe that this baby is in heaven? Because if so, then I can kind of put that in a category on a box and a shelf. I can ultimately be okay. Right, right. Um, I was really struggling, yeah, because no one talked about it. Um, and I felt like I was alone in feeling these things. I was very much so comforted by the church. Um, and we tried to get pregnant very soon after. Yeah. We um, it took a couple of months. I think it took another six months and we got pregnant with Memphis. Yeah. Um, and I had miscarried at six weeks with this first, ba- with this um, miscarriage. We named him Malachi. That was really helpful to me. I wanted to make sure that we named our babies that we miscarried. So... Um, I got pregnant with Memphis and when I got pregnant with Memphis, the whole time I would go to the bathroom and I remember standing in front of the toilet about Mm. to sit down and I'd pull down my pants and I would cringe for nine months. I cringed because that was the moment that my body betrayed me is when I sat down and saw that blood. And so I would pull down my pants and I'd look down. And see that there wasn't blood and then go potty. Well, then it came time to wipe. And I was like, well, what if I wipe and I see blood? Mm. And so every, I mean, how many times do you go to the bathroom? Every time you're cringing inside, hoping that the worst isn't there. Um, and there's a little comfort at six weeks. Um, when we passed through that six week, the, um, we made it past the last baby. Yeah. And there is more comfort at 12 weeks because... Uh, statistically, you don't miscarry after 12 weeks. But I remember giving birth to Memphis and I just immediately sobbing. And I think I sobbed for a lot of reasons. With Zayo, I didn't cry when I had her. I was just like ecstatic that I had my baby. Um, but with Memphis, I cried, I think, because I knew what mother's love felt like. Mm. Um, but I also cried because my body couldn't betray me anymore. It was out of, I felt like the miscarriage was my body being like, this is not good. And like expelling it um, as if it was a, a cancer. Mm. Um, and, and when I birthed Memphis, it was already out of me. So my body couldn't betray me. My body couldn't put my, myself through that pain anymore. So I sobbed. And uh, I thought think that's one of the reasons that I have had this special bond with Memphis because he, um, 
I like co-slept with him where we were super anti-co-sleeping. <laughs> I gave in to everything that he wanted. Like I started treasuring my children in a way hmm. that I didn't know was possible because I had taken the very gift of life for granted. Yeah. And we, I mean, and with Zayo, like <clears throat> we were in Washington, so we, we were surrounded by these like real earthy people who do things not our way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to be peaceful. Well, I, we that. tried it. It wasn't for me. <laughs> well, and so, like, she slept in another room from, like, day five. Mm-hmm. Like, when, and we'd put her in the other room and close both doors, and she would cry it out. And with Zayo when with she was Zayo. a baby. And it worked. It worked. It worked awesome. And then with Memphis. I couldn't, emotionally, I could not do that. Do yeah, I couldn't do I it. I couldn't do it because I was. Coming off sounds so weird, but I was coming off this like emotionally <clears throat> sabotaging, draining, hurtful journey of <clears throat> wanting this baby, but not knowing if I was going to get to hold him mm-hmm. on the other end. And so I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't be that mom that let him cry it out. Also, I think we learned that each baby needs something different. Um, That's debatable. <laughs> they yeah, do. I, I mean, they do see something different, but even Memphis now is a very emotional child, and he needs reassurance in ways that Zayo doesn't. Yeah, for sure. Um. So then comes time where Memphis is a little older. How long after did we start try to start get pregnant again? About at the one year mark. We start trying for another baby, and again, it took us about six months for this baby. Yeah. It's kind of like our number. Yeah, it is. Um, and this is when I went to have the confirmation of pregnancy appointment, and this is when I was told that I had an STD. If you haven't listened to the episode, guys... Uh, I didn't me, have an STD. You gave me gonorrhea <laughs> in, all, in all caps. I think it's like episode three or something like that. But Episode awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't have gonorrhea, but I was told that I had gonorrhea. Um, but there was, like that put a lot of stress in our marriage. And Oh, man, that was dynamite. I mean, and, and not like that. Dynamite. I mean, it was like awful. Right. So I miscarried right after that. Um, I remember you even... And I think the stress even, of that was a factor. Yeah, I remember you like... You were so mad at that uh, that woman's clinic place because, like you did, you you. I mean, I remember you saying like, it's their fault because they brought this stress, and right. I, like you were. I mean, I was, was dealing with my miscarriage with yeah, for were, sure, but I do think that stress plays a part into miscarrying. I mean, I mean there's, yeah, there's lots a, of a evidence lot of factors, for that. But yeah. Um. Oh yeah, there's a ton of factors. My body, my body betrayed me, <laughs> and I miscarried, and this time. I had done it before, so I had a place in my mind that I could put it. Like I, I knew, mm. I knew what this would feel like. Um, I remember I wrote a, a Facebook post about avoiding large groups of people because I just felt so much pain. Um, and actually, I wanted to read that, and I, I know that sounds kind of weird. But I just thought that, that this really encompassed what I was feeling. Um, the thing that surprises me most about miscarriage is when I share what my body is doing to me 
People come out of the woodwork and share that they've also had a miscarriage. When I experienced my first one, I had no idea so many celebrations quickly turned to heartache. And whenever someone asks for advice about miscarriage, I say, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. You will get better otherwise. You will not have companions to walk alongside of you if they don't know what is happening. Give miscarriage a voice. I think the hardest part this round is that my body is two for two. Two happy, healthy, incredible kids and two unborn, unknown heartaches. My first response to Mike is we're done. We have two and that's all I need. We know that they're here. We know that they're alive and I won't ever have to go through the heartache again. I recognize that this is selfish and I recognize that this is self-protection. I'm broken and in need of healing. No need to wrap this up in a pretty bow. It's unfinished and it's raw. Mm. I shut down. Um, I couldn't do it anymore. I needed to tell myself that I was done because I couldn't even imagine going through that heartache again. The pain of being two for two just felt monumentous. Monumental. Monumental. (laughs) I mispronounce words all the time, guys. Inside joke. It felt monumental. I couldn't... I couldn't move past it. It felt like a mountain that I couldn't climb. It felt like the weight was going to suffocate me until I died. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was in a daze. Um... I truly just shut down. I chose to be numb instead of allowing myself to understand the pain of another loss. I think we had just started counseling. No, we still hadn't started counseling yet. Uh, So after this, after that, we did. We did. Yeah, a couple of months later. But um, I can't even explain the weight of it. It just felt so daunting to. To continue in this path. I had said before we got married, I think that I wanted five kids. Eight. No, I, yes. <laughs> but I think we started at five. Then I had a kid and I was like, let's have eight of these things. They're great. Um, in true page form. Yeah. Excess. Um, what were you going to say? Just that dealing with this on its own, as like its own um, moment and entity is, is hard enough, you know, like we've got two under two at this point as well, mm-hmm. which sucked. Do you remember yeah, that? I mean, that I, it was, sucked. it was the hardest. I mean, I think we've talked about this in the podcast. Like it was the hardest for me and I quit and went back to work. I was like, work is easier than this. Was that, was it after the miscarriage that we got the puppy? I think it, I can't I, remember. It was around the same time. It was time. around the same time. Got yeah, a puppy. Paige, Paige had to carry 90-pound Memphis around while I was at work, and then she was like, let's get a puppy for the kids. Yeah. And the puppy couldn't climb up the stairs. It wasn't a smart choice, friends. <laughs> so I'm at work like 16 hours a day at the time, working in Nashville, and she's <laughs> carrying a dog and this heifer of a child up the stairs. It was awful. It was awful. 
So let's talk about how you dealt with the miscarriage. This, so the first one, he played, or let, I'll let you say it. Uh, <clears throat> for the first one, I, I was busy enough to where I didn't have to feel, feel it. Um, I was working a lot. Um, also, we had just moved to Nashville area, and so, um, and I was really going through a bout of depression. Um, uh, yeah. So, I I was more I was I was mad like I was like I was I was more let down like just like, um, frustrated that this had happened. Um, you know, and Paige had said prior, you know, that there's there's no like training for it. There's no like. There's no preamble to under like to understanding miscarriages, you know, especially for men. Like they don't like if there's no if there's no like training or talking about it or openness about it with women before they get pregnant, then there's definitely nothing for men. Um, so I had no idea how to cope with it. Um, I just knew that Paige was in pain from it. Um, breaking it down. Um, I don't think I dealt with it until I got dealt. And uh, honestly, I didn't deal with the first one until we had, until we had the second miscarriage. Mm. Um, I think that's true. I just filed it away and it was something unfortunate. If I let myself feel connected to some, to a child that I didn't get to have, um, it was too hard, hard, heartbreaking. Mm. So I just pretended it didn't exist. Um, which is doing God a disservice, but also like doing my heart a disservice because I needed to mourn. Um, and also there's, because there's no roadmap for it, especially for men, like, you know, all the thoughts go through your mind. Like if I, if, if I went and told another guy, like, I'm really sad that we miscarried. Like that guy is probably going to think, well, what a pansy. Like it, it wasn't even a real baby yet. I want to punch that thought in the face. I know, right? Uh, that that hurts so bad. It does. Just you saying those words, like yeah. it, that hurts so bad. And like, I, you know, being transparent—that's not our belief at all. Like Paige talked about earlier, like struggling with, like, you know, like wondering, like, is this baby in heaven? Because that'll help her be able to move forward. Because that way, like, the end result is is good and it's okay, so she can move forward and not cope. Um, I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. that that's where our children go. Yeah, that's where we landed. Yeah. I don't... Uh, <laughs> whoops, I don't we forgot to say no, that. No, I mean... <laughs> um, yes, I mean, the second miscarriage, I took a lot harder. Um, before counseling, I, I mean, I still do sometimes, but I, I shut down. Um, and I really retreated into myself. You know, uh, I remember Paige asking me, like, how are you doing with this? And, I mean, there's no way in hell I'm going to tell her, really. <laughs> Even in subsequent pregnancies, like, you've been like, okay, I know that that test was positive, but I need you to take another one. Mm-hmm. And I need you to take another one. So, I, denial is the first thing that I would I would struggle with, with it, that I would deny that this is happening. Or I would just ignore the fact that you were pregnant. You know, like I mean, that's kind of hurtful. It is, but it's a way to it's a way to protect myself. I would sever that feeling of connection. Oh wow! Um, and the only way to sever that is because I never got to hold that child, 
um, was just to pretend that it wasn't there. Mm. Um, I would distance myself from the truth in that way. You know, um, I'm going to choose to emotionally like that. She was never really pregnant. We'll just, we'll, we'll just move on. Like, um, well, that's telling yourself a lie. She was never really pregnant. Well, it's more of like a, a dismissal. Right, you know, but it's yeah. a, still a lie. It, oh yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Like you dismissed using a lie because she's never really pregnant. She wasn't really pregnant. That's a lie. Yeah. I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I was exhausted of like. It is so like emotionally taxing. Um, and what happened is I, I actually started getting callous towards future pregnancies. Mm. Um, and like Paige just said, like I, I needed multiple pregnancy tests because no, like I, I can't be excited about this until I know you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it went from that to, I, I, I'm not, I'm not getting excited until three months in the pregnancy. Like until we go to the gender reveal ultrasound, I, which is so irrational. Uh, it, it, it is, but it, it is, but it's also, well, uh, I mean, cause to... even at three months you could miscarry. No, you oh, can uh, miscarry until the day the baby's born. hundred percent. And, and I know that. Um, but here I am with the world's most excitable person <laughs> who's super amped up about having kids and I'm refusing to be excited about it until I see that, that, that face, until I see that gender and mm-hmm. until I, until I am told that everything is good. The heartbeat is good. Like I, like I, I refuse to let my heart move on because um, right. I was just callous from it. So super defense mechanism. Like you're just like guarding yourself. Mm-hmm. Nonstop, and and I'll and I'll, I'll be truthful. I mean, it's even to this day there there are. I, I'm still learning to let myself feel the reality of miscarriages, right? Because it sucks. It's it's really hurtful, especially for men. Yeah. Like, even in the beginning of the podcast, you said like this is going to be about Paige because it happened to her body, but it happened happened to your soul. Mm. You're just as much the baby's daddy. As I am mom, and it may have been my body that did it, but you are half of that baby's DNA as well, and you, you're the dad who is also mourning. Yeah. And I've got a, a mourning wife who is hurt. Yeah, I think that's really hard, too, is because both of you guys are mourning together, and there's yeah. not one person who can be strong for the both of you. It's yeah. just like you're both in this broken hurt. And like I, I had no idea how to be there for Paige because I had no idea. I had no, I, I had no idea what she needed because I had no idea what I needed. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I supposed to comfort her when I don't even know how to comfort myself in this? Like, sorry, and like, just being present is good, you know. Mm. Um, I coped a lot. I mean, at the time, like, if you guys know our story, like, I coped a lot by being high and just ignoring it, which I did a lot with a lot of other emotions too, like my depression and stuff. Um, if I think about it too much, it, it hurt and hurting sucks. So I will deny it as much as I can. I will try to cope with it in my own way and not healthy. Um, it was really hard. And speaking from a, a, a man and from a dad who I love being a dad. I absolutely love it. It's it's my favorite thing. Um, it's very lonely. 
when you miscarry. It's very lonely as a dad mm. because guys, I'm like those who are listening, there's no comfort for men in miscarriages. I mean, even Paige was Paige was saying, you know, like out of the woodwork, these people started messaging her and talking to her about the miscarriage and like relating to her and like trying to comfort her and, you know, just sharing that with her. That never happened to me. Oh, that's awful. I didn't really, until right now, I had no idea. That's awful. And I think it's one of those things, you know, like, like I said in the beginning, this is be a page heavy talking because it did, it happened, it happened to her. And I mean, I, and I'll fully admit like the weight of it is, is heavier for Paige, but I felt guilt still. of like I I I know that Paige's heart did not do this to us, mm. but my physical body did this to us, and I felt guilt about that. Mm. A lot of guilt about that. It's like I can't control my body. Like I can't control if my body produces enough insulin. Like it just does the thing. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I felt so much guilt. Hmm. No, there's no reason why I should have felt that way, but I did. Yeah. I remember you being hard on yourself because we, for the first baby, we were moving and you thought you were like, did, did I, that I strained myself, that I worked too hard. And then with the second one, you were like, you know, if I, if I didn't handle the, the, the fake STD you know, as rough as I did, or if I, if I chose, yeah, that's classic page. If I would have chose a different, like a different doctor that they wouldn't have done this. Like, you know? Yeah. Then I was given a ticket to a retreat. A friend of mine who was doing a ministry with us, she bought a ticket to this retreat. She found, I think on Eventbrite or something like that. And she just bought a ticket and went or bought a ticket. And then her work called her out, um, out of town and so she just gave me this ticket. It was all like, all of it was very random as to why random. I would be at this retreat. You didn't know anyone. I had no, no one. And I had miscarried three weeks, a month prior. And I remember saying to God, like, Lord, I want to lay this down at your feet this week or this during the retreat. It was like a two day thing. I want to lay it down at your feet. I want to walk away after this retreat and knowing you and loving you mm. and giving this fully over to you. Um, and I, there was something about that retreat that ignited my soul in a way that I'm still living off of mm. today. Like, yeah, I, that was a pivotal moment. Cause that was a, like a flagship moment that I can like go back and look at my spiritual mm-hmm. walk and think that was something that transformed me. Legit. Very true. I, I remember there was a big change in the dynamic of your faith in Jesus that mm-hmm. happened after that. I remember just thinking like I had, I had been getting, I had beginning, I had been starting to develop atrophy in my spiritual walk. Mm. Just slowly not caring, slowly not pursuing the things of the Lord. And that retreat uh, was from a more charismatic church. 
um, that is well known in our Nashville area. And the way that people expected to know God there and the, the prayers that were prayed and the things that happened, it, it was life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so at the retreat, obviously, I'm just in one of the lower places in my life. And they, they said at the retreat, there's a sign that was in the back. And it's like a very uh, farmhouse-looking sign. Chevy chic kind of thing. Chevy chic. And it said, um, I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. And I remember feeling like, God, that's me. Hmm. That is me. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. I was like, God, I'm in the middle of the emptiest place I've ever been. I'm spiritually not where I should be. I hurt. My body's betrayed me again. And I... And they had said something about um, at the end of the conference, they were going to give that to someone. And I just silently prayed in my heart and I said, Lord, would you please give me that sign? Um, And at the end of the retreat, by a miracle, someone walked up to me and gave me the sign. It's like it's like a small dinner room. Dinner table size. Dinner room size. Dinner room size. Dinner table size. I think it's like two and a half by like five. And I put it um, so that when I woke up, it was at the foot of our bed, at the wall that was at the foot of our bed. And every morning I woke up and I looked at it. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. It took us a year of trying for another baby after that miscarriage. Mm. And for every day for a year, I read, I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. In that year. That was a hard year. It was a very hard year. Um, When you struggle to get pregnant, it turns sex not as like an enjoyable thing, but as a chore to try to get the resultant baby. Um. Yeah, that like it, fertility microscope thing that you'd always like yeah. spit into or whatever and like to see if I was <laughs> ovulating. So there's that. Science is crazy. Um it was really hard because I remember a good good friend of mine was pregnant and she was having a baby and she had had a boy and now she was having a girl. And I had all these girl clothes from Zayo. Mm-hmm. I had Zayo in Memphis and I had all these girl clothes. Typical that. first baby, so many clothes. And I felt like the Lord told me, give you, give her the, your clothes. And I was like, okay, cool. But also I want another baby. Was that acting out of faith or is that acting out of like, we're never going to get pregnant again. So here. No, that was a faith thing for was me. Um, no, because there wasn't like a bitterness of like, here, just take it. Or like a shutting that out of my life. There yeah. was a, okay, God, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to let go, and, and I want to say that I let, let go with confidence, but I left go, let go with, like, trembling hands, being like, okay, God, here, 
Like, I, I will watch you. I will wait to see what you're doing. What's really great and kind of funny about that is one of the, one of the things I've heard come out of Paige's mouth probably seven times in the past year, um, besides, man, you're getting better looking every day, um, <laughs> besides that, is, well, Zola has all the clothes in the world. She'll never need anything yeah. because she has so many clothes. <laughs> Like she has, like, mm. still left over from Zayo, and then people have given us clothes. So I mean, like, you know, obviously we weren't hurting. Well, it's not, it, I wouldn't even say that, but it's like, you know, they were they were baby clothes. They were you know little kid clothes. You know, um, but like, we gave out of, like, not out of out of our extra on that. You know, like we gave out of like our 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 substance, and we still have so much. You know, like it's been replenished. Right. Um, I think the Lord for sure overflowed our cup. For sure. Like after we gave, is that what you're saying? Like after giving out of what little we had, and we were still very poor at this time. Oh my So, so poor. So, so poor. So I remember God asking me to give the clothes away and I remember giving that over. And then a year after trying, we get pregnant with Zola. Mm -hmm. Now, recap, I've been pregnant twice or I've been pregnant four times. I have miscarried twice. I have two babies that I look in the face every day. And I'm pregnant again after trying for a year. Mike and I were at a marriage, not retreat, retreat. Intensive. A marriage intensive. intensive. Uh, We were at this marriage intensive. Which, by the way, they're... They're doing one this this end of this year, guys, and then early next year. If you if you want go. information, just message us. Let me tell you, it's the best thing. We should do a whole one on that. Can okay. we still have the books? No. Oh my gosh. So, so maybe. So I have two kids that are in my arms, and I have two kids that aren't. Um, we're on this marriage intensive. It's a weekend thing, so Friday night, Saturday more Saturday day. And Mike and I are having lunch, and I'm calculating, and I'm like, wait a second. And at that time, I had told Mike, like, I'm I'm done being a stay-at-home mom. I'm going back to work. Yeah. So I had started applying for jobs left and right. I really felt like the Lord was calling me to this specific job. Um, <laughs> so I'm, like, really in the middle of this interview process. We had stopped trying, mm-hmm. and we go to Walgreens, get a pregnancy test on the, like, lunch break. And find out that we're pregnant. And I remember so very clearly, I take a pregnancy test in the bathroom of Walgreens, so classy. And I raise my hands to the Lord when it was positive, And I said, you have seen me. You have seen me. And as sure as I'm standing here, the Lord said, peace, have peace. And so I was pregnant again. And I, with that, fled, I was filled with so many emotions. I was flooded with so many emotions. Mm. I was scared. I remember when you came out of that and you got in the, you got in the car and you were like, it's pre- we're pregnant. And it was, it was like a, um, we started a very exhausting weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember being like, I was so, I was actually really, ex- I mean, I was always really, always really excited. But even after the second uh, miscarriage, I was still super amped. I was so excited. Um, Yeah, so I really felt like God told me peace. And then I have to tell you this story. I know that we 
Um, I alluded it to it when we talked about you in the podcast episode, you can name your kids whatever you want. We have this very awesome story about Zola. So six weeks comes, I go to the bathroom, mm. and I see blood. Mm-hmm. Again. It was awful. At six weeks. Oh, my gosh. Well, and, yeah, we were at we were at a restaurant too. No, we? we were at home. Yeah, I think you were at, you were at work. I was at home. Okay. So I pulled out my bat my pants. I see blood. I wipe. There's more blood. And my next door neighbor was also pregnant. Uh, and she, I called her and I was like, I see blood. And she immediately came over. She took our two kids, and I went upstairs and I just sobbed. And when I'm telling you, I sobbed. I sobbed, and I didn't remember that the Lord told me peace. And then I remembered that the Lord told me peace. Um, but I was like, God, what do you mean peace when this is happening to me again? And I was crying in bed all afternoon. And then I stood up because I had to go to the bathroom again. And I stood up knowing that I was going to have to go to the bathroom again and that, that dreadful pulling down of the pants mm-hmm. and seeing blood. It was going to happen, and the wiping and seeing blood was going to happen. And I stood up, and as sure as I'm talking right now, I heard the Lord tell me, her name is Zola, and she's fine. I'm going to start crying now. And so I went to the bathroom, and I wiped, and I didn't see blood. And before that, I had pulled my pants down, and I didn't see blood. And so it gave me hope, and it gave me that peace and that reassurance again. We went to the ultrasound, and she was fine. I had scheduled an ultrasound um, when I saw the blood, and she was fine. And then at the 14 weeks mark, we paid extra to go and do a, a ultrasound. Oh, baby, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I actually got a job. <laughs> I, I liked 12 weeks pregnant, I got a job. Um, and I went to this ultrasound and um, they did a gender reveal and it was a girl. And I just remember turning to Mike and I said, we already had a girl name picked out. We had had it for Memphis. And I said, Mike, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, Yeah. but her name is Zola. And I don't know why the Lord said Zola. I don't know what the purpose in my heart, like for that, that mm. season um, maybe, yeah, I have no idea why he named her Zola. Maybe one day we'll figure out why he named her Zola. Um, but when people give me a lot of mess for naming Zayo and Zola, they literally have one letter different. <laughs> uh, I'm always like, I, I know, but God himself named her Zola. So there's nothing I can do. Her name is Zola. Um, I forgot to tell that in the, we can name your kids, whatever you want. So when did did we go visit our friend who worked at the hospital to get the ultrasound? Cause we freaked out. It was was Zola. It was Zola. She did. She stopped moving. Oh yeah. We we were out to dinner. Which is very Zola. Like if we, you know, Zola, she, for the first two years, she was just like chill. Yeah. So we were out to dinner and she's like, babe, baby hasn't moved in like two seconds. No, it had no. been like two hours. It had been like two hours. And I was like, well, okay, you know, like, okay, let's just wait. And there's no waiting for Paige. Um, there's only moving. And so we have a friend who works at a, at a hospital. We won't say any names because I don't know. <laughs> but like, she was like, get over here. 
and she literally snuck us in, snuck us in, got Mm -hmm. us to an ultrasound machine, and did a free ultrasound. And was like, there she is, great. Having people in high places is great. It was like a Doppler, so I heard her heartbeat and knew that she was fine. But I love that sound. That's like one of my favorite sounds in the whole wide world. So now let's talk about like, what do you, what do you do with friends that miscarry? How? Chastise them. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's so dumb. I wrote another post about this. I'm not going to read the post out loud this time, but. Read it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Everyone, guys. Hold two on. minutes of silence Shh. while I read this. Mm. Mm. I am <laughs> so <myself>. wise. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So what do you do with your friends when they miscarry? Like, how can you be a good friend? Um, and I, mourning well. Mourning with your friends well. We see this in Job when he first lost everything. He has his two buddies come and they sit with him in silence. For seven full days and seven full nights, they just sit with him. Now, later on in Job, they're actually quite jerks to him. But <laughs> for right there, Listen, we can Job, see. It's been seven days. Get up. <laughs> um, but we see them model right then, like just being a good friend. And that when people are quiet and just sit with you, that's when your tears can really flow. Mm-hmm. None of this like, well, I know a friend that did this or I know like... This is what happened when I miscarried. Um, But if you can just like sit and feel that uncomfortable pain and silence with them, that was the most honoring and loving thing for me. Paige wrote something, and I think it's really beautiful, and I'm stealing it from her. Um, She said to ask inquisitive questions is for your own gain, but to sit quietly and just say, I'm sorry, that's when you share the burden. And I, and I wanted to steal that from you. I know she's looking right now like, why are you taking the good stuff? Um, that's exactly true. And that's exactly what Paige needed. And one of the more unfortunate things is that she learned that because she went through it. You know, this is not something that, like, is just known. You know, like, Paige went through it. like, And it was hard because I remember... Like, I remember I remember her getting frustrated by all the questions people were asking. And that doesn't mean don't ask questions, you know, but there's like. I had a friend who had very great intentions who called me and asked me all these different questions mm-hmm. about my miscarriage. And again, she had all the great intentions in the world. She was her and her husband had loved us very well mm-hmm. many, 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 many times. But I just remember being like, I, I, I think I like not. I hung up on her, not mean, but I was just like, I cannot answer any of these questions and I really, I need to go. I can't. And I didn't like even wait for her to say anything. I just hung up. Like I, um, really struggled. And actually that quote, it was, I listened to a podcast and it was, uh, a girl whose husband, or I mean, I'm sorry, her dad had went through chemo because he had cancer And when all of it happened, it kind of, you know, as cancer does, come out of the blue and they didn't know what to say or do. And and she just said, 
when you're asking questions, that's for your own gain. That is for you to satisfy something inside of you. And when people are mourning, the last thing they need is for you to come and ask all these questions because it's only for your gain to satisfy your curiosity. Um, but when you just sit there and say, I'm sorry, that's when you sit there and say, I'm going to hold that burden with you. When you sit there quietly, that's when you're carrying that, trudging alongside with each yeah. breath that they take, yeah. carrying that burden. I think as a, from a man's perspective, from a dad's perspective, um, gosh, ways to be there for your, for your friends. It, it's, a, it's a hard thing. Um, honestly, when, for, for us men, at least for me and from what other men that I, that I have spoke to, um, dealing with miscarriages is, is very isolating because the typically the women have other women who will come around them. The men, you know, we need to be there for our wives who are desperately hurting both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you know, like their body's actually doing something and it can actually be pretty, it's very daunting because it can be a process, you know, like we have really good friends who went through a, a late, like a pretty late term miscarriage. And like, it was hard. Like she had to, the baby had to come out of her. Like, mm. and so it can be brutal. Um, but for us men, it's very isolating because. What do you wish someone would have done for you? Been there. Well, how? Mm. Just be present. Um, can, I mean, you want to hear like, I mean, you do want to hear that they're sorry if they are sorry, you know, like they like sharing in your sadness, you know, offering to talk about it. Um, I think typically us men, we're not typically talking good, talking about our emotions. So like making it a safe place to be like, this sucks, man. Right. Like, what are you feeling? Are you hurting? You know, like, do you like, do you want to go have a beard and sit in silence? Do you want to go and shoot guns? Do you want to go and go for a drive and be quiet and listen to music? You know, like. Do you want to go smoke a cigarette and be pissed off for three hours? Like, what do you need? Right. Like, whatever you want to do, let's go do it, you know. But let's talk about it, mm-hmm. you know. Like, because nobody, nobody asks the dads how they're doing. They, they get some condolences from people, you know. But I think it's really important to just ask. And in the same way that men, we should be there for our wives when this happens. Like women, we need to be like, we need to be there. You need to be there for your husbands too. Yeah. Realizing that it's not just you who's walking through this. Um, and I think at first that's really hard to hear. And a lot of your selfishness comes through Mm. as the wife who's miscarrying for you to be like, why do I need to be there for my husband? First, that just shows like how much you're thinking about yourself and hear me like you do need to hear, you need to think about what you're going through, but do not do that to the detriment of your spouse either. 
because it can be both and. You can be hurting and he can be hurting. And you can, I mean, mourn together. Right. Like, one thing I wish we... I, I, yeah, I don't know if we mourn together. If I wasn't hiding through drugs and stuff at the time, depression, uh, I think us laying together and just weeping, weeping would have been really... Yeah. But I felt like I needed to comfort you. Right. You know, which I did. Like, I'm your husband. I should comfort you, you know. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Too. Not not to the detriment of your, your spouse, but also, like, you guys can hurt together. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to hurt together, there's no better time than when you're, you're miscarrying. So then I wanted to talk about what miscarriage gave me. And when I first said that to Mike, he was like... scoffing at the very idea, which I get so hard. Um, But I would be remiss if I did not talk about what gifts miscarriaging really gave me. Mm. Um, I, I see the value in my kids every day. I look at my kids with pure wonder and delight Every day, I see my children as a gift. Mm, they are a gift. Instead of seeing them as a burden, and had I not miscarried, I truthfully don't think that would have been the case. I think I would have taken being a parent for granted. I don't know if I would treasure my children the way that I do if I had not miscarried. Truly, um, and if I had not taken like. Uh, if we didn't take so long to get pregnant, I say say lo- so long so lightly and loosely because I know people are on mm. years long journey and we had just months and a year. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, when I look my children in the face, I fill with awe every day. I fill with pure wonder that I get to be this child's mom. Mm that I get to walk along life with them, that I get to have a relationship with them, that I'm not just their parent, but I get to know their soul and be their friend. And so, yeah, motherhood's really hard. It's so dang hard. Being a parent is dying to myself every day. It's, it's making me holier every single day because of how much I have to not care about myself. That being said, It's the best thing I've ever done because I get to know these humans and they're like my little friends. And so people are, you know, like four, man, that's a lot. And it's like, yeah, it's a parade everywhere we go. It is joyful to me that I get to have these kids and I get to know them. Like I want to know everything that they will tell me. Um, My mother-in-law used to say, I I would tell them, like, I would just sit back and listen and I want to, I want to eat up every morsel they'll give me. Hmm. Um, and uh, gosh, that t- I take it to heart because it's so true. I, any little tidbit that they want to give me, I want to know with awe and wonder. And sometimes it's like, okay, okay, okay. I get it, Memphis. You're a pirate. Like, <laughs> I totally get it. But miscarrying, miscarrying gave me the gift of seeing my kids in that lens. Um, also it helped me have an open palm to my children, um, with the Lord. That sounds like, like 
No. <laughs> Stop. Um, I, so like in college, there, a roommate of mine said, like the way that we should approach the Lord, like if we have sand in our hand, we have so much more to give the Lord if we open, have it open palmed and hand it over versus if we take sand and we clench it up in our fist. And when you open your fist back up, there's going to be very little sand versus just scooping it out with an open hand. Mm. And in the same way with my kids, I want to have an open palm and give all of them to God. And knowing full well, like when I had the children, my kids, and I used to say, like, my body can't betray me any well, anymore. Yeah, my body can't betray me, but... It was ultimately the Lord. He gives life and he takes life away. And he knows. He knows better than I ever can. And so if I believe that he knows better than I ever can, then I'm going to open palm my life and this child to him. And he could take Zola any day. And it would be righteous and it would be good because he is righteous and he is good. And that doesn't mean that I can... Uh, uh, not feel my pain. Hmm. There's still pain in losing someone, but it's okay because God is still good. Um, I, I know you want to say something, but oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this down while Mike was talking earlier, and it sounds awful, but it's so, so true that I am a better mom because of my two babies passing. Because of their death, I treasure my kids' lives with every depth I could possibly feel. Mm. And I only have that gift because my child, my two children died. Mm. That's heavy. But it's also the greatest gift my kids and my Lord could have ever given me. Because the, the quality of a mother that my kids are going to have is so much higher because I know now what a gift my kids truly are. What miscarriages gave me um, is the understanding the importance of mourning, mm. which I, I'm still not good at. Um, I understand the importance of it much more. Um, I mean, it's not, mourning is not something that we're taught. You know, um, families don't typically, families will teach celebrations, you know. We cheer when good things happen. Uh, even in churches, you know, like, there's so many things that are, are, all, are all about celebrations. Um, and I think it's important for us to mourn. And so I understand now more because of it, the importance to mourn. And I think moving forward in life, I'm, I'm, I'm much better for it. Um, and I think secondly is, is transparency. Mm. That's what that's given me. Um, and that didn't come right away. That came, that came through realizing that uh, I didn't mourn, and that, and that came through me realizing that I didn't reach out for help. Uh, we miscarried. I, I don't get to be a dad to those babies. I don't get to enjoy those babies like I do my other kids, and that's sad, and it hurts, 
and I, I didn't reach out. I didn't, I didn't ask for help. I didn't say, I didn't tell anybody that I was hurting because of it. And when everybody was looking at Paige, you know, rightfully so she's, she's hurting, she's mourning, you know, I didn't, I didn't share in that. Um, yeah, maybe that's something else that we can do for your friend that's hurting is like, remember the husband. Yeah. And like, and I mean, also like the transparency for, for everybody who's mourning, you know, it's such a, such a, a crazy stigma uh, towards, you know, miscarriages and like, cause it's sad, it's sad, it's personal, you know, and uh, people try really hard to have babies and then they, then they have miscarriages and it's just awful. And like most people don't want to be like, I'm hurting. This is this awful thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to. So, cause you're missing out on the opportunity to, to be loved on and to love on others, you know? And like, one of the things I've heard so much because this podcast and because of us sharing our story is that people feel more comfortable to be transparent now and they see the benefit of being transparent and being open because because so it brings freedom and not just not just being transparent and open with the bad things you've done, but the hurt that you're feeling. Right. And I, so, yeah, miscarriages help me understand the importance more of of mourning and of being transparent Mm -hmm. because you know when i said like earlier there's no comfort for men and that it's lonely and isolating it's true and you know there is some fault other people for not reaching out but also we don't we don't if we don't reach out Mm -hmm. who can we blame right you know so well friends thanks for hanging out with us as we had another heavy uh topic Thank you guys for enjoying <laughs> hanging I, out with I us. I want to say do that, you know, because you, know, you stopped at Zola, you know, and then we had Wonder. And typically, you know, we get pregnant, full term, then we miscarry, get pregnant, full right. term, miscarry, pregnant, full term. And we were due for a miscarriage, statistically, and we didn't. That sixth week, I was there was a lot of fear and trembling. But also, we were separated. (laughs) Not by any means that I would hope to miscarry, but I was like, there's a lot of emotions going on, anyways. Like, I can't focus on like maybe I'm miscarrying when like all of my world is crashing down around me. Bigger things going on in our life besides the pregnancy, (laughs) which sounds awful to say. Which is saying a lot, though. (laughs) Right, it is saying a lot. Guys, Anyways, thanks thank for sticking you. with us. We love you. Um, reach out. Be transparent. Mm-hmm. This is Laugh. So you don't cry. Mm-hmm.